0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 179 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having an awesome start to your new year. I'm actually recording this in December, so I don't actually know what's happening in January, but if History is any indicator. I imagine that it is quite cold. And so I hope wherever you are that if it is cold for you, that you're staying nice and toasty. And if it's not cold, I'm kind of jealous. So, (laughs) but hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. This episode is on a topic that I think will resonate for a lot of us, which is the wounded healer in private practice. And so, how do we take some of the things that we have struggled with? How do we create a private practice? while owning that and also making sure that we don't sort of overcompensate as business owners because of what we have gone through. My guest is Tasha Casper. Tasha is a MFT associate and she is over at HealingPointCounseling.com and Tasha has a pretty crazy story. So she actually, as I record this, has battled chronic pain, chronic illness for 12 years. She's also a breast cancer survivor. She's also the world of counseling and our field is a second career for her. She was actually in the corporate world and made that transition just because of health kind of concerns. And so she's got a wealth of knowledge on this stuff and it's just a real conversation. And I think you'll enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please let me know. You can always shoot me an email over at melvin.com at sellingthecouch.com. it's always nice to get emails. I, you know, you record these episodes and you kind of put them into the world, and you're not always sure how they're they're resonating for folks. So, if it does resonate for you, please uh, shoot me a quick email if you get a second. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and. I call him Dave, Dave, and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous s t c podcast guest, and honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know and with sponsors, you guys know i'm I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh the s t c audience with and Dave when uh we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people just I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement, investing, and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very hard centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The 7 Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turningpointhq. And that guide has a lot of the things that that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So we will get right to today's podcast conversation. And so here's my conversation with Tasha Casper from HealingPointCounseling.com. Hey, Tasha, good to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. I feel like this is a a topic that a lot of us struggle with and go through and uh, looking forward to hearing about it and uh, hearing from you.
1: Yes, hi Melvin. I am so excited to talk about this and to be here and thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to do this. So Yeah.
0: No, I I am too. I I remember even in grad school. I don't I don't remember who told me this. I feel like I've heard this enough that some some phrase like you know, some of us go into the field because, you know, we may have unresolved trauma and it's our like way of trying to heal. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that's true as we come into private practice. Right. Uh, I can't even think of the number and I'm sure this probably apply at like, even as you think about colleagues, there are a lot of colleagues, even for me, like the niches and the specializations we select, they have a personal element to them. Right. And absolutely. And the, I mean, the one side of it is I feel like some of our best work happens there, right? Because we're more, it's, it's not just like, oh, this is a niche that I just randomly selected or this is not a specialty that I just randomly selected, but it's personal to me. So we're more invested in training and all of those different things. But on the other hand, you know, we do have to be thoughtful and careful that, you know, for example, like our own things don't play out in therapy, for example
1: absolutely that's the biggest issue right do no harm (laughs) so we want to make sure that we're we've kind of like done our own work but i definitely agree and that this concept of the wounded healer i'm a perfect example and uh, i actually was looking it up because i was curious and i found a statistic that said about 73 percent of all therapists have experienced one or more wounding experiences
0: wow that's fascinating that's Wow! Yeah, so I, I, did, I mean, I, I expected it high, but I, I don't. I don't. I don't know that I expected it that high. That's pretty seventy three percent.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm not alone.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, and just anecdotally, as you know, we were talking. Like, I feel like I could see that definitely. I I wanted to start kind of at the beginning, which is what exactly is the concept of the wounded healer.
1: Right. So the concept basically dates back to Greek mythology, and I'm not going to spend too much time, but basically Chiron was the master of healing arts and actually botany and healing herbs and stuff is, is, goes back to him, supposedly, if you believe in Greek mythology. And he was an immortal God, half horse, half man, and he was peaceful and kind and intelligent. And then what happened is he had a wound because he was born of a rape of his mother. And so his birth mother abandoned him Mm -hmm. and he was adopted by Apollo And then later on, he was, after he's this kind of like healer and master of healing arts, he suffers a wound from Hercules. And because he's a god and immortal, it's eternal torment. Hmm. So he spends a great amount of time in his search for his own cure. And during that time, he discovers how to heal others. And by healing others, he found a measure of solace for himself, right? So the concept of turning wounds into wisdom was created. And then later on, Carl Jung, who we are all you know, actually cre- you know coined the term wounded healer. So the archetype was in Greek mythology, and then he coined the term wounded healer. You know, he himself had a midlife crisis, and some of our very big names have also been wounded healers. And fascinating, Marshall Linehan was actually institutionalized for schizophrenia, and has just recently come out that she has borderline personality disorder.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't know. I, I knew, you know, what I heard. I had heard of Marshall Linehan being institutionalized. Like it felt like fairly recently, but I, I didn't hear that other news. That is really interesting. But I feel like the other side of that is, I don't know, for me, it puts like much less pressure on me to, you know, like have it all put together and figure it out. And knowing mm. that, you know, some of these big names in our field, right? Yes. Yes. Have these trauma histories, have these like, you know, things that they've struggled with. And yet, despite that, have accomplished some really amazing things.
1: Yeah. And I think that's kind of, you know, the whole concept is that, you know, there's a quote from Ovid that misfortunes often stir up genius. And so I resonate with this so, so very much. My becoming a therapist is all around my, my wound of having a chronic illness and then getting cancer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have found that by being more authentic, that my weakness of being to the to the bottom and to the darkness of chronic pain and chronic illness is what allows me to to hold that space for clients, and that's become my greatest strength. I think.
0: Uh, I don't know. I just even taking a step back, I just I I can't imagine. One, like what you must have gone through. And then two, to even have the courage to say, you know, I went through this and now I want to help others and I want to own like what I've been through, you know? I don't know. I just, I don't even know what to say. So
1: it's been, it's been a journey and it's hard to even believe that I'm standing here today saying this, right? Like it was never the intention and, but I feel so blessed and grateful that I somehow, right. I don't think it's all because of me. It's because of a lot of wonderful people around me have, have helped me. And so, yeah, you, you kind of want to like pay it forward,
0: right? Yeah, no, um, I'm glad you're saying that. Like, so um, I, you know, I've shared a little bit with you guys, but you know, we, we recently had a daughter and she was a preemie and the thought of like parents of preemies, like, that concept never existed to me until, you know, we became parents of preemie, uh, mm-hmm. preemie. And I just, I remember just the amount of, and it's still, I mean, it's still very raw for me, but like the amount of pain and struggle and, you know, the questions, the uncertainties, the, is she going to gain weight? Is she, you know, is she going to de- be developmentally okay? And just all of the, you know, I don't know, like, even as I've thought about that more recently, I'm like, man, maybe if I ever sort of like once I settle, maybe this is sort of a niche that I can go into because one of the things I found was there's just like very little resources, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Yeah, no, it is, I can't imagine this is like a, like one day just suddenly flips, right? But how did you go from that place of just the pain and the struggle of it to realizing like, man, this is something that I could do, like I could serve others who also struggle with this?
1: So I think the first thing is, I'm still there and I still have to deal with my chronic illness every day. And I think that in, in some of the reading and research that I've done on this, one of the things it says that you can master and share and teach others like what you've learned in this transformation and this kind of gift and treasure you've recovered, but yet you can have consistent difficulty to give that energy to
0: ourselves. That's interesting. So I guess what I hear in that is we don't have to quote be healed or we don't have to have it all figured out in order to serve others. Right. But so we can like sort of, I guess, simultaneously walk in both of those truths.
1: Exactly. Right. So you're wounded and whole at the same time. Hmm. And there's, you know, there's a quote by the songwriter, Leonard Cohen, which says, you know, there is a crack, a crack in everything, but that's where the light comes in." in. that. That just makes sense to me, right? So I'm, I'm still, and we don't have to have it all figured out. And it's the fact that we are still dealing with it or we still have that place of it. Like, for instance, with you and your daughter, I mean, that is so traumatic. You're so excited, your baby, it's coming. And, and then, you know, they're so fragile and it's so worrisome and overwhelming at that moment. Right. And it's such mixed feeling. You're so happy. Yay. She's boring. And then like, Oh goodness, like there's all these things. And so that's that wound, that memory, that that information is not going to go away. Mm -hmm. And so for instance, any one of us, when we choose a niche and then we are in with a client that, you know, let's say you're seeing somebody who has that same experience, there's a whole unconscious connection and understanding that is just conveyed by having that shared
0: experience Hmm. yeah something that you can't even i guess communicate in words necessarily right
1: yeah exactly exactly and that it's just you know we you faced that same demon and you know young would call it the shadow right so you know I find it, you know, Yalom has said in, in his book, The Gift of Therapy, you know, f- we're all fellow travelers, both on a journey of discovery together. Mm. And I, you know, I feel now some people kind of believe the whole, you know, I'm a blank slate. Personally, I don't, I don't think that's even possible. Mm. And I, I align more with this concept of the wounded healer and that by sharing just some self disclosure when it's appropriate and for the purpose of the client. But just putting my story out there, like, you know, on my website and stuff is best for me, right? Mm-hmm. I have found, just like Viktor Frankl, right? I have found meaning in my suffering. Mm-hmm. And then clients come in, and then there's this whole kind of part where
0: we can just connect. It's so. interesting. It's almost like the therapeutic relationship has been the at least the initial parts of it have started to form even before they've seen you in the room.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I and think
0: we were we were talking about this like right before we started the conversation and I was just uh, I was telling you about your website, which you guys should check out over at healingpointcounseling.com. But one of the things that I was telling Tasha was you're so clear in terms of who you serve. Like you don't try to serve everybody And uh, like, I'll just read from the first thing, if it's okay, Tasha, for me to read it. Sure, sure. So like right at the very top of her website, um, so you guys can imagine this, Tasha has this awesome photo up and, (laughs) but right next to it, it says, helping women who battle health issues or trauma, create a new normal and live a happy, amazing life despite the circumstances. So it's, I don't know, for me, it's like very clear, you know? What uh, just sort of off, you know, like a slight tangent. But it, what made you write it in that way?
1: Oh, I've written and rewritten and rewritten that a million times. I write everything we hear and learned through all your stuff too. Is you know be be very clear. Hmm. And it was funny because the minute I changed it to women, I had three male inquiries, and so self quite And then I questioned, like, should I change it back to people? Like, but I. I keep going back to and this is one of the things that we're going to come up with examples right is just this constant wanting to be perfect right mm-hmm. I, f- I feel I feel broken inside I'm I can say that now in parts of me right so I'm I'm broken wounded and whole all at the same time mm-hmm. and so I can get stuck in Perfectionism and not putting it out there, mm. and so I have found for me that when I just write it down, or it's something I would say to a client, like in the room, that's where I have to just say, "Okay, that's the
0: truth," mm.
1: and and just grab that exactly the way I said it, and then put that down. Yeah, and not try to wordsmith it and make it so beautiful, but just it's my voice. It's something I've said at some point, and right just leave it there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I I think like you're also saying this, which is, this is something I struggle with, which is like, I have all of this wonderful grad school training, but I also have a bunch of grad school like language I use and trying not to like trying to just sound human on a website versus like therapist language, you know? Yeah. But you do that like really well. And again, you guys should check out the website because I think she, you do such a good job. And so the rest of the website, like especially on that first page, you talk about you know you have phrases like every day I battle chronic pain and illness twelve years and counting. I'm a recent, also a recent cancer survivor, 2015, and have endured traumas. I know what it's like to feel hopeless and have to build your life back up. I don't know for me, like as even in the little bit I read, is just you know I'm like man, Tasha, there's something very human about her, you know, and so I just wanted to say um, you just not that like it's so well-written because I just think it speaks from your heart. So
1: thank you. Thank you. That actually means that feedback means a lot to me. And um, I'm actually getting emotional, like hearing you say that just cause you know, it's been, it's, it's been a long road and it still is, you know, Right. I'm still-
0: and you're still walking it. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I feel like sometimes the, best niches, ones that like resonate so much for us that it, you know, like it, it causes us like pain and now you're making me get emotional, but you know, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like that's some of the best like healers, you know, are the ones that where their trauma is personal, but you know, they, they still move forward and, and serve others despite that, you know?
1: Yeah. I agree. And right. So this, the wounded healer aligns very much with the concept of post-traumatic growth. And I have been studying that and like taking in every part of that ever since I found out about it and every training and every book that I can read about it, because what I love about the concept of post-traumatic growth is that, and, and it's grounded in positive psychology, and that's probably a whole nother, Podcast, but that you are not returning to a baseline, but you are leveraging your experience and turning it into something better. Huh. And I feel that that is that's my story, right? I was in the corporate world and I got sick, and I managed myself right into the ground. It took me five years to do it, but I did it very well. Hmm. And I had to give that career up, not because something I wanted to, but because my body was was done. And then, after a couple of years, I decided, okay, I'm going to go back to school <laughs> in my mid-40s, which was, was, you know, daunting in itself. And then the last week of my last class, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. Yeah. And I felt like I just built myself up. I just crawled out of this hole and now I'm back at the bottom. But there was something in that moment. I am a Christian. I identify as that and I don't uh, hide it, but I don't push it. But there was something in that moment when I heard those words in that day that I remember, I thought, okay, there's something I need to know and go through and experience so that I can do what I want to do. Hmm. I don't know where that thought came from, but it was just there. And now I work with families and kids who have parents who are going through or who have lost their parents to cancer. Man, this concept of the wounded healer, walking that walk, it's it just, it really cuts through a lot of the stuff.
0: Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Well, and I was thinking also like the the concept of like the post-traumatic growth, which I've never heard that phrase, but I like love it. Like even for something like, so that example that you said, right? The losing a parent to cancer, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know that you ever get to like a, a baseline like again, right? But it's more that you sort of leverage that experience to figure out what that new normal is.
1: Right. Like all the people that have created the nonprofit at Kids Connected, which I work with too, right? They all lost their parent. And now they created this whole new thing. A lot of things like that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, so many things, you know, have been born from adversity.
0: I wanted to shift a little bit and talk about the world of private Mm -hmm. practice. And Mm -hmm. we had started to talk about this, which is This idea that, you know, many of us select niches and specializations and advanced trainings based on just our own, the wounded part of ourselves, right? So what have you noticed that are three common ways that the wounded healer shows up in the world of private practice?
1: Okay, so... I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this since we first talked about it. And so the three most that resonate with me, um, and I think most of other people that I talk to, is I'll list them and then we'll come back to each one. So one is like overcompensating, right? Some will call it the imposter syndrome, but that concept of over trying to overcompensate. Example two is feelings of low self-worth and how that shows up in setting our fees or holding our fees. And the third one is we tend to all want to have, you know, give selfless service, but we give too much. And so we may not hold our boundaries and. So those are the top
0: three that I came up with. I was listening to all three of those and I have no idea. Like none of those three resonate for me at all. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) kidding. (laughs) That's awesome though. No, like every one of those, I'm like, "Uh, this (laughs) is a little too close to home. (laughs) But you're right. Like if I'm completely honest with myself, like as a business owner, these you know, if I sort of just take the day-to-day stuff out, right? At the Mm -hmm. deeper level, what are the three biggest things that I struggle with? It's these three. I overcompensate because, and I have feelings of low self-worth. So I try to find that in a new product, a new service, whatever. Right. And then I give too much. Right. So I think especially now having a baby that's sort of like started to reorient, but I mean, I was like, there were several times, I think even especially since I started STC back in twenty fifteen, there were several like seasons where I almost like rationalized giving so much of myself. And then I would inevitably get to this point where I just like burnt out, you know, and I needed a break. And then I would do that again. I am like, well, when are you going to learn? You know, so, but let's dive into those because I think those are absolutely true. So the first one is overcompensating. So tell, tell us a little bit more about
1: that. Right. So it's just your, we, we have feelings of inadequacy. So an example could be, right? You don't quote unquote feel smart enough. Mm-hmm. And so the compensation is we want to uh, become a mastermind in something and perfectionism. And we're just constantly researching and gathering and getting stuck trying to make it perfect, but then it never launches, right? Mm-hmm. So the blog post that never gets written or the social media post or, you know, the course or group that doesn't get launched or the book you want to write, like all of these are on my list, right? And mm-hmm. so we procrastinate and because we want it to be super uber perfect and it's almost kind of like a failure to launch, right? Mm-hmm. Young people, talks about how we present our compensation for what is lying in our shadow. Huh. And I thought that was a very interesting way to look at it, right?
0: Yeah. What I guess what specifically resonated for you in that because that is a very cool like very interesting way of looking at it.
1: That just that you know, we we all have a shadow and mm. we are all imperfect. There's not a single one of us that is perfect and you know we can kind of compare ourselves to somebody else's like social media feed but you know it's curated it's not real and so we're comparing ourselves to something you know that is not truth and if we compare ourselves to you know the reality that we all have a shadow we all have an imperfection then it's like okay let's just put it out there we can always change it we can address it we can change improve on it but to allow for the humanness i think is what that resonated with me.
0: Yeah. No, I think as you were talking, like I had this random phrase that came up, which is that, like, we, and I, I struggle with this too, is that I compare the whole of myself to like a slice of someone else's life. Mm, you yes. Know? Yes. Um, exactly. And I just assume that little slice is like, man, they have it all put together. They're doing this and they're doing that, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. And so then we I've seen
1: a lot like on the feed, right? Like I feel like it's imposter syndrome. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And it's like, no, we are good enough. We just got to be true to ourselves.
0: Um, you said the second one is just feelings of low self-worth.
1: Yeah. So I just want to go back to on the first example real quick, right? So what? how can we over, how can we deal with that, right? What are some things that we can do to help us stay in, in our lane. So one is just, you know, done is good enough. Mm-hmm. You can always improve and change it later, especially like websites and things like that. Right. I'm always tweaking mine. And then the other thing is we can set SMART goals and then break them into action steps. And then that way we're just kind of, we, we get stuff done and we don't spin our wheels in just letting our negative bias stop us from putting ourselves out there.
0: Right. SMART is an acronym which I'm forgetting. What yes.
1: Said. So it's, yeah, it's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time based.
0: Interesting. So that you're actually making it more concrete. So you're making it concrete and you're placing a time limit on it. So right. that the perfectionism doesn't kick in.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I'm going to do this, you know, I want to have a full blog. Okay. Well, I have to write a blog post once every two weeks and it has to be done by this time. So if you have a tendency to procrastinate, what you can do is say, okay, I'm just going to write, you know, a paragraph every couple of days and then, you know, on on the 14th of the month, I'm going to sit down and I, you know, you batch your time and you say, okay, this is, this is what I'm doing. And you put it together and you just put it out there.
0: Hmm. You know, So done is good enough. Set smart goals. Any other tips to overcome that tendency to overcompensate?
1: That's all I have now because it's a daily struggle for me too. So.
0: Yeah, no, those are good. I mean, I think I, what is uh, this phrase that I, I either saw or I just like randomly made up, which is like perfectionism is the enemy of innovation. Yeah. Um, and so that's like very true for me. I, you know, for me, like, I'm so glad you're talking about it. Cause if I'm completely honest, like perfectionism is so like, it's just this constant companion for me and I, I really have to check. And sometimes it sort of wins out and sometimes I battle it back, you know, but like, It's right. It's just, if I'm not like really careful, I can like obsess over some little thing that maybe in the bigger span of things, it has like no relevance, but in that moment, it feels so big.
1: Yes. Oh, I resonate with that. Yeah.
0: The second one you said was that feelings of low self-worth.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think every person on the earth, you know, deals with this at some point, but, you know, let's say somebody grew up in a family and didn't feel value enough, or, you know, there was some trauma there And so how this is showing up now, right, is you're struggling in setting fees or discounting or sliding too much. And I definitely, when I started my private practice just a little over a year ago, I was automatically just, you know, like if there was any hesitation, once I said my fee, like even a half a second of silence, I was like, so, well, I can slide, (laughs) you know, and I was just giving it up. And so... I listened to some stuff on, you know, money mindset. And they were like, just, just let the, you know, let the silence. It's okay. Don't automatically offer up to, to discount or slide. Hmm. Just say, but if we don't say it with confidence, if we can't say our fee with confidence, the client's going to pick up on that. Yeah, and that so I was good. like,
0: oh, this is so
1: me. Right. Hmm. And so I had to really sit down and say, okay let me get clear with my fee, right? Not just on what everybody else is doing, but I feel it and and believe it myself. Mm. And then on the next call, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I said it confidently and I just let it be there. And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to check and then I'll like call you back. And I was, I was like, okay. And then I got off the phone and I just beat myself up. I felt Mm. terrible. Like, don't do that again. That was
0: awful. Right. Because long- you you heard that as like, I'm not gonna that client. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna pay that. You're not worth that. Like, right. right. I just totally took it personally. And literally the next day she called and she became a long term client at my full fee.
0: So how? Um, so like lots of really good stuff there. And how did you handle the the time between when that phone hung up and when the client called back?
1: Oh. I beat myself up. I was the worst (laughs) therapist on the world. I was, you know, foolish, stupid. I was just, you know, awful. Like, you know, what are you thinking? And just every negative thought that I could think, but then there was a part of me that was like, okay, but that was good practice. Like I, in the moment I was able to say it and I do believe, right. Like somebody was saying to me at one point, And I don't remember who, but they, you know, like people aren't paying just for like our time; they're paying for the transformation. And once I kind of put that into, like, yeah, like I've been through a lot, and I, I do have this capacity to hold dark spaces, and that's worth a lot than just you know the one hour of time. They're they're buying the transformation, not just the time.
0: That's a great way to look at it. I've also heard uh, as they're not just buying the time, but they're like they're also purchasing sort of the the wealth of the experience that we have, right? So that is interesting because I think even I I think about myself, like I sort of think, oh, it's, I charge 200 an hour, but it's really not that for that 60 minute hour, it's really all of my training, everything plus the transformation, right? Exactly. That's a good way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And then kind of going back to something we touched on earlier, as far as our low self-worth is that Sitting in that it's the woundedness itself. So Jung said this, right? It's the woundedness itself, not the fully healed psyche of the therapist, that mm-hmm. deepens and intensifies the wounded healer's compassionate therapeutic powers. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to be perfect. It's and I, and I get away from this all the time, and then I come back to no, it's my weakness that is my strength. Mm-hmm. It is my failures. It is my darkness that is what allows me to to help these other people. Um, but it's easy to get away from that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, even whether it's the societal pool, whether it's media, social media, whatever it is, right. Like it always presents a certain bent, right. Which is that one needs to have it all put together. One needs to have, you know, have it all perfect before one shows it to the world. Right. Right. And this is the human experience, but it's, very counter to what's often presented. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And culturally, right. They position like, Oh, therapists, like you have it, you know, totally together. And I think that's one of the things when my clients, you know, come in and they've seen my site, like they know I'm, you know, have been, we're there and and we can kind of just start from the ground up. So it works, but you know, Hey, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, right? It's not going to work for everybody. And that's okay. I don't need to serve everybody.
0: Well, so even owning that, I think is really important, right? Like you're not meant to serve everyone and not everyone's going to resonate sort of with your language, you know? Cause I think, especially, I mean, we've talked about this in other episodes, which is, one of the initial pulls of private practice, like when you first launch, is oh my gosh, I need to serve everyone. You know,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I just offhand, you said one of the things that was like super helpful for you was just working through money mindset stuff and listening stuff. Was there like anything like just offhand that like any books, any podcasts, any like interviews, anything like that that was like really helpful in working through money mindset stuff?
1: Yeah, I think, and uh, I need to make sure I get this right, but I'm pretty sure it's Denise Thomas's the. Lucky bitch.
0: <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah. Get lucky, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that feel Thomas, right? Yes,
1: yes, yes. And she had a webinar or something that I listened to, and she just was very kind of like almost like slap you in the face about it, right? Like, mm. and that's that's what I needed.
0: Yeah. I'll definitely put that in the show notes page, which you guys can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session 179. But yeah, I've heard really good things about that book. I haven't had a chance to read that book. I read one, You're a Bad A at Making Money, I think.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: I think that one is very good too. So no, thanks for sharing that. I feel like money is like, that's a whole other topic that, you
1: know, I struggle with. So, So, Um, but going back to our example, right? So how can we set fees and feel other than what we've talked about, right? Is just right first of all objectively looking at it like what are your expenses your time your profit what's the transformation right what do you what's your bottom line that you really need to to charge right and and it's okay for us to make a profit and instead of just doing it on impulse right, right. and if you do slide down know exactly how far you can can slide right and have a process around that because in the beginning, I was like the bleeding heart. And I was like, I'll, I'll slide for you. I'll slide for you. I'll slide for you, right? Like Oprah, like you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Like, and then I realized like, oh. I, I still
0: so, so had that image when you were talking. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same wave. <laughs> you
1: know, it was just like, exactly it was exactly that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not going to make any money doing it this way. Like this is not work.
0: So I've heard this before, and I've I've implemented. But I wanted to like just go a little deeper and hear your process. So what you do is you objectively look at it. Which I mean, the benefit of that is the setting fee doesn't become an emotional decision, right? So what you do is you like you look at all of your expenses: so rent, business cards, phone, EHR, all of that stuff, right? Yes. So then you'll you create. Then you figure out: okay, this is the monthly amount that I spend on the practice. Is that right? Right. Okay. And then you say, well, I need to make a minimum of this, right? But then, so right. what happens like after that? So then do you say, like, how do you f- go from these are my expenses to this is what I need to charge per client and this is how many clients I need to see?
1: Well, so part of it, I, you know, comes from like my marketing background, right? You have to do some research of like what your area is. Is doing also right? Is it? Do you have a niche that is covered a lot in your area, or is it? You know, there's not a lot of people in my particular niche. There's there's not a lot of resources and people who who have my expertise, <laughs> which is you know probably a good thing for them. So you you just take a look at that, and then for me, it's also a matter of time management. I because of my chronic illness, I cannot work quote unquote, full time. Mm -hmm. And so I have, you know, X amount of sessions. And so it's like, you, you just, you run the numbers, right? Like I want to make this Mm -hmm. much, I need to cover my rent and I only have so many sessions. I'm, you know, personal goals, you know, side note, working on moving away from the one-to-one and getting groups and courses and books and whatnot. But that's, that's going to take time, but for working with clients. And then I had to say, okay, this is, this is my fee. I feel good about it. I think going through the process helped me also visualize like, okay, yeah. And then realize the transformation. Now I still have a certain per- portion that is a uh, sliding scale, but I now stick to, okay, that's a percentage of my business and I will only slide down this far no matter how heartbreaking their story is. Hmm. And if I can't, then I have a whole list of people that I can refer out to. Because, you know, I too, I have found that when I really slide down below what I should be, you know, it's just, it doesn't work out long-term for a
0: variety of reasons. No, That's helpful for me to envision because I, so it sounds almost like do your, figure out your expenses. And then I think the other part, which I, I just like love the way you phrase that, which is like, you owned your time, right. That you're available. And part of you is like for you, it's practical. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's like a personal thing, like, because many of us start small businesses and practices because we want that time freedom. Right. And so for you, it's like, you started to own that. Right. And so these yes. are the hours that can work versus these are the hours that I'm you know I need to make this much money and so I got to like try to you know fill up my schedule as much as possible that's like a different way right of looking yeah. at it. I wanted to say it's, it's just, that's helpful, I think, just to sort of orient and and figure out. So, man, we are flying through time. So I know. <laughs> so, let me, uh, let's just jump to the third one real quick. So it's like giving okay. it too much slash like don't hold bound, like we, we have our difficulty holding boundaries. Tell us a little bit about that and sort of how we can work through that.
1: Right. So, right, obviously do your own work, right? And if you have countertransference or anything like that you know, get peer consultation or or something like that, or some type of supervision. But usually, right, it's one or two clients that like super resonate, right? And like, we love working with them. And so we'll go over time in session. We spend time thinking about them outside of home, you know, just, we give them more of ourselves than so setting and sticking to a boundary, right. Of time, right. Staying on time with everybody and not feeling guilty for, for doing that. And then I think that for me, right. I have a ritual that anytime I leave work or anytime a client starts coming to mind and I find myself kind of perseverating on, on the person and like, Thinking about them, that I release them and say a prayer and release them to my higher power, and because uh, the higher power can do a much better job of taking care and care of them than I can. I can only do my slice.
0: Um, yeah, you're sort of just the uh, the instrument, right? But you're not for- like the be all end all.
1: Right. I mean, you know, in reality, most of it, you know, it's, it's what one hour, one hour an entire week that we, we have our clients. So the rest of the time they're on their own. And even if we are spending time worrying about them, you know, and I'm not talking about like spending time to come up with a treatment plan. Like, obviously we need to do that, but I'm talking about the times when like, you're just like, they've just really grabbed a hold of your heart, which is great. But again, some of my, You know limitations. It's like when I'm with my family, it's like I really want to be present with my family Hmm. because time is is of a high value to me because I don't have the same time that everybody else has.
0: Um,
1: So I've learned how to be a little bit more protective.
0: Just that, just I guess as we sort of this is was going to be my sort of last question, but what you just said, like owning your time, was that a process or how did you you like wake up one day just be like? my time is worth it. <laughs> like, how did you get to that point where you said, you know what, I, my family is important. My practice is important, but like, I can't have it. These times just sort of bleed in like that because, you know, at some point it's just going to take too much of a toll on me.
1: Yeah. Well, so pain is an amazing motivator. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so my body is very adept at snapping me into reality. and helping me keep those boundaries because the minute i step out and be like oh no i can take on x amount of clients and all of a sudden i'm trying to pull you know a 6 or 8 hour day for me for my body i can't see i can't do that right i can't see six clients in a row so it's mm-hmm. it's if i do go over and sign up for all sorts of stuff which i have a tendency to do right going back to our overcompensating mm-hmm. and wanting to please everybody I then overdo it. And then if I don't pay attention, then I go down. And with chronic pain and illness, I may be down for days. Mm. And then if I'm down for days, then hey, guess what? Nobody gets anything, right? So the concept of you can't serve from an empty vessel is I have to really manage it because the minute I step out of line, the minute I don't take care of my body and I don't keep my boundaries in place, the pain will will take me down and then nobody gets anything. The family doesn't get anything. The clients don't get anything. I don't get anything. And, and that's just kind of a miserable place to be. So that's my motivator.
0: I, I can't imagine the journey was easy to get to that point of that realization, but like- I'm- Oh, I- st-
1: I still fail every week. Mm. (laughs) I don't want anybody (laughs) listening to this to think that like I have it together at all. (laughs) Like (laughs) I fully embody the wounded and whole at the same time. Right. So I, this, I struggle with this all the time. I, you know, um, you know, recently my mother passed away and so I got a flare and I was out for two Mm. weeks and you know, it just, these things happen. And so instead of beating myself up, what has changed is my mindset, right. Mm. Instead of beating myself up, I will only do that maybe half, and then I'll be gentle the other half. So that's the half that's changed.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about your mom.
1: Oh, yeah. It's tough Um,
0: stuff. I think we're all working, right, toward toward getting better. I, I feel like especially for clinicians in private practice. Like as I think about myself, as I think about these podcast conversations, just conversations I've had with colleagues, it's it's an interesting intersection of when you have high achievers that are driven business owners, right? Like on all of the different stuff that that comes up, right? Yeah. And all the things that we have to sort of check and consider and fail at and, you know, train at and retrain ourselves and, uh, it's yeah. a lot of being gentle.
1: <laughs> yes. Be gen- well, and that's where the learning comes from, right? right? So is where, when we fail, then we can, we can refine, you know, and sports people, right? That's what they do, right? They yeah. watch tape the next day. Okay. Right. Wh- where did I fail? Where can I improve? Hmm. And we kind of feel like, I don't know, we're supposed to be perfect and have it all together, but it's like, no, like there's a lot of
0: of wisdom in failure, Tasha, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story. And just I love conversations like this because they're they're human, you know. They're not the uh I've got it all together and and let me share do a podcast episode and tell you, you know, yeah. that I have it all together. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I know it's been a blessing just, you know, everything and being part of your groups and listening to all your podcasts and all your other guests and everything that you do for us. And especially with your preemie baby, like you've really held it together and, you know, kind of lead the way. Right. Again, you're looking at like, oh my, you're doing all that and still doing it. So thank you for everything you do for us.
0: Ah, uh, you're so welcome. I uh, uh, to your point, you know, some days are better than others, and half the time I feel like I'm still <laughs> figuring all this out, you know. So where can folks learn more about you and the awesome work that you're doing in the world?
1: Okay, so people can go to my site, healingpointcounseling.com, and soon I will be having healingpointcenter.com.
0: Transitioning to group or
1: well, what I'm trying to do is, you know, have a place that's separate from my counseling, which, you know, has like online courses and books Mm -hmm. and so lots of really good stuff, but and you know, a little bit of train the trainer stuff in the future for Mm -hmm. chronic illness. So uh, and cancer, the cancer world. So that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. You had a busy, lots of stuff going on. I'm excited for you and excited. I don't know, like just for the way that you serve. So.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. I think it's, it's all falling into a place and um, I'll do it. I also want to kind of mention kids connected. So it's KIDS and then connected with a K. Dot org, a K.org provide camp and support groups for kids who have parents either going through cancer or who have lost a parent to cancer. So check out their site or give to them and they're an amazing resource and they're a national, they're trying to grow
0: nationally. So perfect. We'll definitely put that on the show notes page. What a wonderful service.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. It's amazing.
0: Tosh, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate your
0: time and everything. Have a great rest of your day. You're so welcome.
1: You too.
0: Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tasha. I know that today's episode was a little bit longer than the typical episode, but I'm hoping that one, it's just given you a sense of encouragement to not only own what we have gone through in our life, but even consider that as a way to serve others. And I don't know, I was thinking about just all of the different lessons that. I learned through this podcast conversation. And I think the one thing that I learned is that you don't have to get it perfect, just get it going. And uh, eventually you can always tweak and refine in all of those things. And I think just a second lesson that I learned is just the, the tendency to give too much. You know, I know for me again, as I alluded to in the interview, I, I've really struggled with this. And I think now with the baby, I'm learning a lot about like what my new normal is and what I can do and how much I can give and, um, whether that comes to the hours that I can dedicate to both STC as well as private practice and all of, and to family and to self care and all of these different things. It's amazing how life constantly teaches you new things. Tasha mentioned a number of resources. And again, you can find that over on the show notes page over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session dash 179. I imagine we're going to have a really good conversation on the topic of the wounded healer in private practice in the STC community. If you're not a part of it, it's absolutely free to join We do have a couple of questions just to vet and make sure that you're actually in the field, but you can join over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. And uh, we're getting, as I record this, we're getting really close to, I believe, to 10,000 members, which is uh, pretty amazing. Thank you for being there. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want, and uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most, like, heart-centered folks that I've ever met, and you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Turning HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your week and thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye.